Story Club is a national storytelling performance group. Story Club was founded in Chicago in 2009 by Dana Norris. In the past decade, Story Club has expanded to more than half a dozen cities, including Boston, Minneapolis, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. CNM was thrilled to bring Story Club to New Mexico in the spring semester of 2022. Students in the Department of Theater and Dance wrote, workshopped, and performed their own nonfiction stories for this seven-episode podcast series. Enjoy the show! Karma Gifted on a Winter Solstice by Gregory Gargano, etc. My name is Gregory, and I really like homeless folk. I almost always have. Maybe it was because I grew up in a small Massachusetts suburb, and I never really saw any, outside of movies anyway, until I was an actual adult. Spending a few minutes conversing with any of the homeless folk I come across nowadays has just become my standard procedure. One of my favorite homeless folk was also one of the first that I had met. His name was Ben, and he was kind of awesome. Ben was this tall, skinny, older dude with a fuzzy gray beard and wild, frizzy hair. Ben typically hung out in the woods behind the local strip mall, the one that had the huge toy store, the lens crafting place, and a handful of other stores. Now, Ben wasn't a victim of circumstance, nor was he someone who inadvertently fell through one of society's cracks. Ben was a self-described hobo, and he simply didn't want to waste his limited time on Earth working to afford all the things he did not even want. I had met Ben late one night while I was going through the import store's dumpster, where I was grabbing all sorts of cool arts and crafts supplies from the thrown-away home goods they could not sell that season. We talked for a while, and old Ben, as I called him in my head, helped me load up the broken treasures I had procured. You see, in Massachusetts, you could simply turn in an empty plastic bottle or a can for five cents. So, after meeting Ben, finding him utterly fascinating in his philosophical disposition and his unconventional wisdom, it became part of my bi-monthly routine to find him and give him whatever empties I had accumulated. Over the course of seven or eight months of this, I was really happy to consider him both an ally and a friend. This was all about a third of my lifetime ago. I was working as a dock manager at a little novelty shop way over in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. The shops sold novelties and various home goods to the affluent folks vacationing in the area. I was an appreciated member of the staff, as I could lift up all sorts of heavy stuff well, most of the other associates were all on the bluish-gray-head side of life, and they could not be bothered with such activities. One rather frigid night in December, the 21st, which, by the by, is the winter solstice, I was processing the various knickknacks in the back warehouse when I was paged on the loudspeaker to come to the front. This had never happened in all the many months I had worked there, and so my Gregory senses were tingling. I quickly threw on a collared button-up shirt over my T-shirt, buttoning up the shirt, making myself somewhat presentable. With haste, I made my way to the register area at the very front of the store. The two older cashiers, sweet old ladies both, they were staring wide-eyed and open-mouthed at a mud-spattered, filth-encrusted man who was reaching into the pockets of his tattered gray trench coat and forcefully offering sodden wads of bowled-up papers to the customers. Sheer, foul stink seemed to be emanating off the man. 
though in hindsight it might also have just been steam from the evaporating snow and moisture from his coat. And so, without breaking stride, I engaged with this dude, drawing his attention away from the other folks in the store. Palms up, arms spread wide, smiling and speaking gentle, reassuring words. I slowly advanced, and he slowly backed away, toward the front entrance and eventually out of the store. When he realized what was happening, his movements started becoming more and more erratic, more and more aggressive, with facial tics revealing an apparent mental struggle within. As we two started to pass beyond the manicured bushes that led up to the entrance, the man noticed and he grabbed one of those metal gardening wands that had been left out the last time someone had watered the little waist-high hedge. Holding the metal wand above his head, the man looked at me from beneath his stringy and greasy bangs. Then he turned and he looked at that two-foot metal wand. Then he looked back at me now, and I'm shaking my head in the no-no manner of civilized society. Puckering his whole face as though he had just bitten into the world's most bitter lemon, he suddenly snarled and he leaped toward me, trying to smash the wand onto my head. Without conscious decision, my left hand grabbed and held onto the metal rod halfway in its arc toward my noggin, and the strange man and I lock eyes. We both look at each other as though neither of us knew exactly how it is we ended up in this situation. This man is still trying to bring the wand down on my head, and my hand is still stopping it from doing so. So we both turn our attention above us, and we watched as the hollow metal tube slowly began to bend. After a few strange moments of this, the man apparently grew frustrated with his failed attack, and he just violently rakes his filth-encrusted fingers across my face scoring a shallow set of cuts from my forehead all the way to my cheek, knocking my eyeglasses completely off my face. A few moments of unbelieving silence pass, and I notice my glasses, framed now in two pieces, on the ground. Some inner gear shifts, and I see, in my mind's eye, a bunch of ways I could decisively take out my aggression on this dude. I lean forward with my scary face on, and I'm about to tell him, You realize now I can legally beat you senseless when, in a flash of insight, it occurs to me that this man desperately wants to be hospitalized or arrested. He just wants to get out from the cold for the night. Mental gears shifting again, I half-smile, and I tell him, wait here for a little bit. I will go in and I'll phone the police, okay? His eyes are cast toward my broken glasses on the snow-covered ground, and thanking me, he hands over a wad of wet paper, telling me I am such a good fellow. You're like Peter Pan! and so on with other such nonsense. So I take the crumpled ball of wet paper he offered, I pick up my broken glasses, and I head back inside, only to find out the police have already been dispatched, and they should be arriving momentarily. So, not knowing what else to do, I head back into the break room, grab us two cups of coffee, and I head back out to the parking lot to await the authorities' arrival. A police cruiser eventually arrives, and the man is put into custody. Paramedics clean up my superficial cuts, and I return to work, feeling a rather profound sense of unreality for the rest of the night. A week passes. Being nearsighted and without glasses has been proving a difficulty. I can see just well enough to drive, if it's daylight, and I won't have to read any street signs. It's now right after Christmas, and I'm dropping off two big trash bags worth of empty bottles to old Ben. I had just been telling old Ben all about that strange encounter I had had at work the week before, and lamenting how I could not afford new frames. 
when his face lights up and he starts rooting through the various plastic bags that were piled in the shopping carriage where he apparently kept most of his stuff. Pulling out a small plastic shopping bag full of frames he had found in the dumpster behind the eyeglass door, he asks, Will one of these work for you? Within the bag of discarded frames, I found one that actually did. He gladly gives them to me and we part ways. Old Ben had, without ever speaking the actual word, taught me all about karma. That somewhat abstract concept became a very real understanding for me that night. Karma. Karma is a Sanskrit word that I have been taught translates into the English language as action. Both Buddhism and Hinduism teach that there are three different types and that our actions in this life set up our circumstances in the next life. Well, since I only remember this one life, my current understanding is that like causes produce like effects. That is to say, a good deed now will lead to a future beneficial effect at a later time, whilst a bad deed will lead to a negative effect later on. Witchy folk call the same phenomena the law of three, and they advocate that whatever a body puts into this world will come back multiplied by three. That's what many of the witchy folk I have met strive to be both benevolent and kind indicates to the student that they just might be onto something. So it wasn't until years later that I started celebrating the winter solstice, but it was that particular year that December 21st became a holy day for me.